Welcome to a new episode of the India Independent Films Podcast. Uh, this is Rahul Desai, a film critic for Film Companion. I have with me, as usual, Uday Bhatia, a film critic for Mint. Um, Happy New Year. Uh, this is our first uh, podcast of 2023. And uh, we are back, not, uh, with any, not with any of the Hindi titles, because there's some, uh, I mean, nothing major has released in the last couple of weeks. So we will... Uh, be talking about uh, two very very good films um, that actually technically released last year, but we've only been we've only gotten around to watching it in the last one month or so. Uh, the first one is uh, Martin McDonagh's uh, new film, The Banshees of Inisherin, uh, which is uh, playing on Disney Plus Hotstar, and uh, the second one is uh, Park Chan Wook's decision to leave, which we will come to after we finish discussing Banshees. Um, both of us really like both uh, both of these movies, so it'll be uh, hopefully it'll be a fun chat. And uh, yeah, so we'll start with Banshees of Inchirin. Um, it, you know, it, it's it's one of the favorites. Uh, you know, in award season, uh, not surprisingly, uh, Martin McDonagh returns after after Bruges. Uh, sorry, after uh, in Bruges, all um, more than a decade later with his same team, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. Um, this film basically um, had did uh, you know it, it got a g- good ovation at the Venice International Film Festival. There's been a lot of buzz ever since. Uh, it's one of the favorites to win a, a couple of awards at the Oscars as well. Uh, Uday, you just wrote about it, I think, as recently as yesterday, and yes. there's some very good writing on the film in the last couple of weeks, which I've been reading quite a bit because. I didn't end up writing about the film. So I had a lot of, I mean, I, I watched the film, I, I think one and a half times. So I had, uh, you know, I, I read a lot of pieces and uh, had time to reflect on the film as well. Uh, yeah, why don't you, couple of lines uh, about the film before we get into like discussing it. Sure. Um, yeah, because you'll be doing the decision to leave uh, summary. So I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm happy to take insurance. Uh, uh, yeah, the um, so it's set in apparently a, a fictional um, Irish isle uh, called Inshirin. Um It's uh, in in 1923, and the civil war is going on, but it's sort of happening in the background, and that's an interesting thing that I, uh, you know, I th- we'll come to a little later that how. It's sort of like the backdrop informs the film, but it's it's really very much in the background only. Uh, anyway, so there are um, uh, two uh, two friends, or uh, as we soon realize, two ex friends. Um, um, there's a musician called Com, who's played by um, uh, Brendan Gleeson, and there's uh, Porik, who's played by uh, Colin Farrell, and um, the film starts with Porik um, uh, going to Com's place and uh, telling him that uh, they should be heading to the bar, uh, to the pub, uh, sorry, for a, for a drink, as they do every day. And it really seems to be the highlight of their day, uh, or at least uh, Porik's day. But uh, what he doesn't know is that Com has come to a realization uh, that he doesn't want to be friends with uh, him anymore. And this very simple uh, uh, breakup, as it were, kind of reverberates through the film. There is really nothing else. And I, I found it interesting that, you know, the one line summary of this film is the entire plot. 
you really don't need to know anything else but that a friendship sort of is dissolved by one friend but the other one just cannot come to terms with it and uh, porik keeps coming back uh, at com uh, trying to figure out why uh, why would he suddenly cut off the friendship uh, and um, finally com is uh, is forced to um, to say that he finds porik dull and uh, uh, uninteresting and um, it's not that com is a very bright person himself but he has he's more eloquent than uh, than porek he's a little better read and he's a, he's a talented musician he's an amateur but he's a talented musician he composes and uh, at some point he kind of just realizes that he is uh, spending his all his time with someone who he feels now is not his equal and uh, this very simple uh, kind of act then takes on huge implications as the film goes on yeah that's uh, that's pretty much it i'll tell you what like this film really triggered my very dormant state of rejection anxiety over the years like it's insane <laughs> what the film did while i was watching it because I, i'm like this is my worst nightmare like and and this isn't even a like this isn't a love story or a romantic film normally you see couples go through breakups like this right, right uh, yeah there is reasons and this is uh, technically a reverse of a bromance and because we've gotten so used to bromances over the years in so many shapes and forms in cinema this was uh, this was startling to see as you said you know that one line is pretty much the whole film and porik uh, right at the beginning he can't understand what's wrong and what i find fascinating is that obviously martin mcdonald like the way um, the way we tend to sort of fall out with, uh, uh, with with friends over the years without really falling out uh, because mostly friendships just fade away right like there's no yeah. actual confrontation most of the time you grow out of relationships you go out grow out of friendships and you start leading your own life the, fa- the i mean the entire premise or the entire device here is that there is confrontation and there's a literal sort of tearing off uh, which happens where one friend tells the other that you know you're too dull for me and i think i've outgrown you and i think mm-hmm. i'm a man of the world now and i think i need to do something to be remembered before uh you know because time is just passing and we're on this this idle uh, uh, you know nice little island and and you know that anxiety that that sort of uh, uh, almost that that fear of sort of just reaching a stage of life without really knowing it is is is, is very much uh, is so tangible in the film and i'm not really seen a film like this because it's something so simple but something at the same time it really it really um uh, sort of pierces a part of you that i think most of us have worries about because i, I think we oh, oh, the entire point of life is that you grow in and out of relationships growing out out of friendships it happens with your own family and parents as well and and this is uh, everyone's sort of almost worst nightmare coming to life in a very dark humorous twisted way because there's a lot of technically a lot of violence in this film which has a lot to do with uh, cutting fingers which we will talk about because com basically Uh, tells porek that every time porek tries to mend bridges with him or talks or talks to him he will cut a finger off his hand and this has massive implications because he is also a musician uh, 
so he's basically saying that I'd rather live life absolutely purposeless and meaningless than talk to you, which is brutal, which yeah. is which is so difficult to watch and it's just so elevated because of the fantastic performances. Uh, it's also, uh, as you said, you know, these things usually don't involve a confrontation. You see it in so many friendships, uh, but it doesn't involve a concentration, it just involves a fading away. And it also happens early on in life. Like when you when you start figuring out that, okay, this is the kind of person I am, um, then you can start figuring out that, you know, the friends that I, you know, I have don't really you know uh, don't really go with the kind of person that i now realize that i am and and you kind of uh, drift away from them sometimes and it 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 happens but it it happens quite early and those wounds are like fairly easy to heal even if it is uh, you know even if it is uh, at the time like a fracture uh, it doesn't happen like much later in life like with common um, and porik and uh, I think that's what is kind of uh, that's sort of the uh, uh, the reason why uh, Porik is so devastated and he is so devastated that he cannot even like he won't admit it. He won't admit it to himself. He won't take Com's um, threat of cutting off his fingers uh, seriously. Even after Com cuts off one of his fingers and the whole aisle is shocked um porik just cannot uh, he he just cannot back off it's it's impossible because it's his, it's his whole life he doesn't have a life beyond that he doesn't have a job his best friend is a a, a little donkey uh and uh, he lives with his sister who is clearly too good for the whole isle let alone porik and um so, so it's the it's the desperation of someone who has nothing else to hang on to. He he just he he needs that friendship, and Com probably doesn't need it that much. So it's it's a and it's just it's we're making it sound like a slightly grisly film and a very uh, tough film. It's actually a really funny film, uh, but uh, it. it packs quite a you know a wallop uh, emotionally as it goes on and it just it's and they're just two very beautiful performances especially Colin Farrell who I've been a big fan of through the years and I felt that he's never really gotten the kind of roles that he should have mostly because they tried for like a few decades to make him into a you know a straight off leading man which he's really not and uh, it's now that when he's doing uh, you know more charactery sort of roles that he's really flowering because he's beautiful he he has the same sort of sadness in in the lobster which he was absolutely wonderful in and even in in Bruges, which kind of uh, kicked off his uh, his um, uh, sort of renaissance uh, 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 and uh, e even in that there was a sort of wistfulness to him even though in Bruges was very different sort of film uh, to this uh, I was I was just wondering before we get more into the film 
did you uh, were you a big fan of in bruges and uh, did you uh, did you like the um, the uh, three billboards outside uh, ebbing missouri which came in 2017 which was oscar nominated and stuff which i really did not like yeah so i mean let's just say in bruges is such a integral part of my movie watching life that i actually went to bruges and stole a bunch of posters from a bunch of pubs there about in bruges because i think the tourism increased by like six times after that film there and uh, it, it is one of my favorite films and i, I still think it's martin ben- mcdonald's best film so far and i think this is a close second or if not as good as that film and it's no surprise that it's more or less a spiritual sequelish sort of thing because of course that was a very very moving and different kind of film as you mentioned uh, but it was also uh, I, i felt it was more or less based in the same sort of uh, emotional universe as as this film and uh, coming to uh, three billboards not a big fan um, I, i you know it won won a bunch of acting awards which i can see why uh, but i you know i i couldn't get myself to first of all watch it more than once and secondly i thought that uh, misanthropy that uh, martin mcdonald really thrives on in most of his films like putting uh, you know characters in very unpleasant situations and very misanthropic about the world i think he went too far with three billboards and i, I felt like it was a self conscious uh sort of film because when i watched it i i was like okay this is really watchable but uh, at the same time i wasn't really into it as much as say a film like this which is so quiet and devastating and you know uh you know really evocative in its own way and uh, and that's why i'm very happy to see this return to a certain kind of um, voice for uh, for the director and and you know it's no surprise and uh, i'm glad you mentioned the performance especially colin farrell's performance because you know what a great great actor and as you said he's not gotten his due over the years of course because he took a while to really find his groove and also you know to kind to find the kind of films that he deserves and he's been and this film the way he plays porrick is it's just so heartbreaking and funny and relatable in the weirdest way his face does so much talking in this film even though what he says is really funny and almost unlettered because he's it was so easy to sort of come across as the simpleton in this relationship in this friendship and yeah. it's very easy to play uh, a stereotypical character like that like the dumber character so to say out of the two to uh, to basically reiterate the theme of the film that one is smarter and one is uh, one thinks he's too smart for the other so you know colin farrell could have really gone one way with this but there's a lot of soul in the kind of because that niceness that he talks about which i thought was also the best scene in the film which when he goes on the rant about niceness and about how yeah. nice he is and and that that face off they have in the pub i thought uh, th- there's a lot of soul to the kind of character he's playing and it's very rare you get to see that when when you know um, when it more or less becomes a rivalry in a way where one is refusing to back off and the other is really threatening him with like self harm and it's i i thought it was one of the best performances i've seen you know from last year and it, it, it and it may not seem so because of the kind of film it is because of the kind of setting we are in uh, but i think it's very much uh, you know right up there and and it's because of his performance 
that you don't need to see a backstory or the 30 or 30 year odd years they might have spent together uh, going to the pub literally every afternoon having conversations over a couple of pints and like really taking the mickey out of each other and you know sort of once or twice having big fights you don't need to see all that you don't need to see com uh, getting uh, slowly frustrated with the intellectual sort of uh, level of yeah. uh, porak over over the years and and that's the beauty of a film like this uh, you feel the accumulation of history in the way they are going about this split and uh, that's great writing and of course that's just fantastic uh, acting because it's it's just so difficult to get through on paper uh to basically show the end of something without really showing us the beginning or the middle and without really showing what is at stake and how how heartbroken they really should be and i admire films that do that without really using narrative crutches uh, such as flashbacks or such as you know even uh, a- any kind of writing that might have suggested that and i think uh, colin farrell and both gleason I-, i i think do such a great job of you know evoking the past without really uh showing it to us what i love about the writing in this uh, um is is that it's not a writing that uh, is sort of founded on eloquence you are mm-hmm. not getting the effects from beautifully phrased stuff these are people who are not phrasing things very well especially porek yeah. who who cannot <clears throat> who cannot uh, kind of find the words to 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 uh, express his devastation so you see the devastation on his face and in the in the words that he manages you know the first time that uh, com uh, tells him that you know i don't want to be friends with you anymore and uh, i don't like you anymore he, and um, you you see porik trying to find the words and he he can't and he sort of his mouth is moving but words aren't coming out because he's you know his his brain is still working to try and come to terms with this and then all he manages to say is you do like me which is so weak and it's so yeah. heartbreaking because yeah. it's it's just like it's something a child might say yeah i don't like you yeah you like me um, it, and he he literally cannot like he is so broken <laughs> by this thought that he can't even wrap his head around it at this point and uh, it's just it it is such a beautiful performance and uh, gleason's performance is is so helpful as in it gives so little uh, uh, and it 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 offers so little that colin farrell can can supply all the emotion all the hurt because uh, gleason is just so reserved and he is you know so clearly you know uh, hurting uh, porek that that you know colin farrell can give this sort of beautiful expressive uh, performance because gleason is so reserved so it's a very uh, i think gleason's performance is actually really generous for farrell because it it allows him to be you know the the center the sort of emotional center of this film yeah that's totally uh, that's absolutely right and it's also the sort of um, like there was a point in while watching the film i was thinking i was like okay um, you know obviously this isn't the kind of film i thought it would be basically it's not like this moving poignant yeah. romance bromance that might you know uh, result in a happily ever after of any sort 
so you know at one point i started thinking maybe it's one of those twisted psychological dramedies where uh, one character really sort of puts on a certain front so that it brings out the dimension of another character that he's always wanted to see you know we've seen uh, romances like that for example we've seen people pretending to be brutal so that it builds character and breaks the other person and brings out the edgy side of the other person which is more or less how banshees of inisherin eventually ends up right like because we see a very different porak by the end of the film we see a sort of almost unhinged uh, sort of person who's accepted this fate and therefore is far more certain and almost adult in the way he's lashing out as at com and uh, you know that breaking of his niceness into something cruel into something as brutal as he becomes towards the end of the film especially you know after he goes through own small tragedy of his own uh, I-, i thought it came across so organically without really hammering the point home right because it is technically a gimmick where you're basically seeing uh, a transformation of possibly the nicest man on the island to um, to something dark and to a villain basically a super villain origin story almost and uh, uh, and and it's just the performances that get it across so well that that really support the writing uh, uh, in that way um, I, i also i was also curious about one thing because of course after watching the film and after a lot of reading that i did over the last few weeks i was wondering how much of the irish civil war metaphor needs to be understood or needs to be consumed to actually enjoy the film or understand the film because for me at one point i was like okay i'm not really getting what this is about maybe there's a deeper metaphor political metaphor a cultural metaphor which obviously you know people like us who aren't really very familiar with uh, irish history don't tend to get immediately but then you read about it and be like okay their relationship stands in for Ir- islands and britain's sort of war almost in in a way and it just despite that i just found this story to be standing on its own without any sort of allegories without any heavy footed sort of uh, posturing in, in that sense because e- even if you take out the background of the irish civil war and the fag end of it in 1923 and them sort of looking at the mainland and hearing explosions and then without realizing it mirroring what is happening on the mainland i i thought this is still the sort of film that really stands on its own as a very heartbreaking very resonant film i i think the the few mentions that we get or we uh, of of the war or we hear the gunfire or the you know there's news of a hanging or uh, etc uh these uh, i think these sort of supply the kind of emotional terrain of the film more than uh, you know impose on it in any way it's still very much in the background and uh, i think it's just that you know the the near constant violence uh and and the way people can be almost flippant about it because it's part of their you know lives Uh, there's that joke that you know uh, that there was a uh, hanging announced and then they were uh, yeah. like uh, which side is it and then uh, they it 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 becomes funny by the end of that and but it's also really dark and you kind of um, it it makes um, uh, comms very extreme 
uh, step and then uh, Porik's reactions to that seem mm. like less weird, less sort of eccentric when you see the larger environment, I think, which is the, his idea of keeping keep keeping on reminding us that there is a war going on without it being like a large part of this particular story. Yeah, also in a way, like it's almost like the people on this aisle who've been there for generations yeah. are almost getting FOMO about what's happening in the outer world. And yeah. they are almost trying to replicate that violence. It's It's almost like the war that's happening on the outside is sort of a TV series or a film that they're seeing and feeling left out of it. And maybe trying to replicate a darkness and drama of their own on the island because they've been detached from the war for so long. They they talk about the mainland like it's a very gossipy magazine almost through right. most of the film and the characters. So as, as you said, you know, very rightly, it, it does supply their sort of emotional terrain and the way they, uh, the, the reactions that may have come across as absolutely absurd in uh you know in in a more isolated film without the context of the war um, it actually takes on some kind of sense here and some kind of method to the madness of this finger cutting violence and of of these extreme steps because their only connection to reality seems to be the war and what they've heard about the war and what they've seen about the war and this is now their uh, and this is their imitation almost of that reality. It's like a child watching uh, violence in a film and trying to imitate it without really knowing if it's good or bad for them. Yeah. What did you uh, What did you make of the Barry Keegan uh, character Dominic, uh, mm-hmm. who is um, a slightly uh, dim uh, uh, person on the on the aisle? He's sort of friends with Porik, but not really. Everyone sort of little sort of kind of tolerates his presence and he has these rants, uh, but these rants somehow come very close to the truth. So people don't like them for that reason uh, as well. And uh, I I really like Barry Keegan. I think he's uh, he's already made like a really uh, interesting career out of playing little freaks. Uh, and he just does it better than anybody, I think, uh, whether it's uh, uh, Green Knight or Eternals or Killing of a Sacred Deer, there's just this unnerving quality about Keegan, which is, uh, I, I think he's he's fantastic. Yeah, and apparently he's, he's going to play the biggest freak of them all, right? Like Joker in the new Batman, I guess, over the coming years. And... Uh, you know, his face, I, like, I mean, of course, you recognize him by his face and the name doesn't immediately come to us when we see him in a film. And it's, you know, it's great credit to him in this performance, in this film, that, um, you know, he comes across, his character comes across, of course, he's the village idiot in a way, but also as probably the purest and, you know, the most innocent form of life on the island. Because he becomes sort of a conscience almost for... Uh, for the Colin Farrell character at one point when Colin Farrell slowly start to getting uh, getting a little more cruel, a little more impure, uh, this boy is basically reminding him of that and he's the one who gets beaten up by his father and at the same time doesn't have the guts to stand up to him. So I found that his character was not there just for the heck of it because these kind of characters tend to be there for comical relief or for entertainment or for uh, uh, for some kind of uh, diffusion from the tension between the two main characters. And I feel like he, he gave 
also he provided one of the better scenes of the film with the sister uh with 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 siobhan uh who carry condon plays beautifully as well where he basically asks he just confesses that he's in love with her and if he if she might want to imagine a future with someone like him and just the sympathy and the pity on her face when she says no uh that you know that's just just not how things work and and you know it, it was it made for one of the better scenes for me in the film because it also really informed uh uh you know Kerry Condon's character and her decision to leave basically the island and 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 realize that she's far better than the idiotic men and their sort of games of masculinity on this island and how naive they are about things and how simple they are and her going to the mainland also uh can be looked as 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 possibly the most necessary escape in the film so so yeah they all this little community that uh, that's part of the film Martin McDonald does does so well uh i thought all of them had like even the the mythical witch character um that basically predicts her death on yeah, the island yeah. and you know that entire that that nice little descent into this uh folklorish sort of tone of the film i, I thought really was nicely done as well uh, the uh, i also uh, found it um, way play like and uh, mcdonald is a playwright also and uh, but of his films i find this the one that sort of resembles uh, a a play the most like it i could very easily imagine it as a play yeah. and it it ha- i don't I, i i don't think that it it has a stilted quality at all and there are cinematic things quote and quote to be found in it uh except that those are i think um those are small pleasures and you sort of have to i mean if you appreciate those kind of things i think you'll like it otherwise you might feel that there's just a lot of talking uh and it's entertaining talk so there's uh, i mean you could enjoy the film on that level also but there's it sort of reminded me weirdly of of lincoln which is uh, uh one of spielberg's less expansive films just in terms of setting and uh, in terms of like the action which often just takes place in rooms and is a lot of conversations and uh, but it 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 also has these small cinematic moments rather than these large ones and uh, very attuned to performance of course lincoln and uh, another thing it had in common is there's this beautiful hard light uh, in both the films uh and in in uh, in banshees especially it sort of comes through in windows and it just falls on people's uh, faces and uh, i just i i love the light i don't know if it's like just a quality of ireland or the way they shot it but it just uh, it just looks lovely yeah it's also such a difficult thing to pull off right when you when you're basing your technically this is a chamber drama where the whole island is the chamber right like you're looking at it that way and and it's it's very difficult to make a film that so drama heavy or talk heavy or like as you said like lincoln where a lot of things happen indoors and the things that happen outdoors the conversations or the interactions that happen outdoors require the characters to not notice how beautiful a setting they are in because to the outside world to people like us in 2023 a century later this the island looks like a fairy tale it looks beautiful it looks almost impossible uh to to be living in such an environment where uh where where you know Brendan Gleeson's character literally lives in a cottage that overlooks the ocean that's almost 
it that that fairy tale like setting is so much at odds with what's happening on the island it's almost impossible to believe that a setting so beautiful a scale so beautiful uh, can also be so boring uh, such a boring existence for the people who live there and and it really uh, it really restores that balance right like of nature and man and you know of of sort of humans living in nature where we live because we live in such an age and an era where we often escape to these idyllic settings to get off, get away from our urban environments and get away from the pressures of having to survive in cities we go to islands like this and then you see an island like this where the people are going through something and the only woman only sensible woman has left for the city and they they basically can't come to terms with that dissonance between the beauty of the setting and between the uh, between the tension between the people there and uh, and the sheer uh, mundanity and the boredom of uh, seeing time sort of while away on that island so you know as you said that that light that we see as well uh, on the characters faces or the way it sort of really floods through a lot of shots in this film uh, not counting the night ones it's it just it it really uh, sort of informs our uh, informs our perspective our perception of how to consume a setting like this maybe a century later while watching it on the screen it, it really adds to that that feeling of discontent and that that unease uneasiness that you get while watching uh, you know characters not really act according to the setting they are in mm. that's a that's a very interesting point i i'd never thought of it like that really it's and and change is the big disruptor here right it's not yeah. even like the it's not really the breakup as uh, as 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 much as the idea that the isle is unchanging that everything is set in stone uh, literally almost uh, and uh, you uh, and any any uh, decision to change whether it's breaking off the friendship or shivan finally uh, having the uh, you know the resolve to leave uh, is uh, it will have seismic effects uh, out here mm. uh, and uh, since we just said decision to leave uh, <laughs> uh, unless you have anything more to add no, no. on this it's, it's uh, a funny nice segue <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so Rahul, why don't you like uh, tell us a bit about decision to leave? I think you've been waiting all your life. I I've just like <laughs> I, I've been waiting for a segue, which is why I I did such a bad one because <laughs> I was just uh, <laughs> waiting for too long. Yeah, I know. I, I said decision to leave without really realizing it a couple of minutes ago, and I was like, oh, is now the time to head into the the film? But uh, yeah, now better late than never. So, um, a few lines about decision to leave. Park Chan Wook's latest film, uh, which you know, uh, in a lot of our uh, eyes, has been a masterpiece of sorts. Uh, you know, then we had the privilege of watching it together on the big screen. at the kerala international film festival last uh, month and uh, i'm i'm it, for me it was a second time watching it because i had to write about it before that when it released on movie so i made it a conscious decision yeah, yeah. yeah as as you did and i made i think we made it a conscious decision to sort of uh, pencil it into our schedule uh, even though you know we don't often watch films a second time at a film festival where every slot is so important to catch up on films you haven't watched so 
and it's a decision we don't regret at all i was kind of unwell but this film almost in a very bizarre way after this film i was totally fine for the next few days so a uh, couple of lines about the film it's about um, it's set in seoul uh, uh, it's no it's actually set in busan and it's uh, it's basically about an insomniac detective uh, who is who basically uh, has Uh, who has a long distance marriage with his wife who lives uh, uh, who works at a nuclear power plant so he visits her once a week he leads a very sort of uh, uh, habitual existence in a way and he he likes he's addicted to detective work he's addicted to solving cases and crimes and he i guess that's a big reason for his insomnia as well because he can't sleep because of the cases he has unsolved then he comes across this new case which forms the core of the film where um, where uh, you know a woman who's mysterious and uh, who's uh, uh, who's basically a chinese immigrant uh, her husband is found uh, dead at the bottom of a cliff after he goes uh, climbing on one of his weekend excursions um, he starts investigating the woman and he slowly falls for this woman and uh, it's there basically it's their uh, sort of tense uh, uh you know very beautifully crafted uh, little uh, ascension uh, relationship of this kind that that forms the core of this film because he's investigating her uh, almost you know subconsciously hoping that she's not guilty for what seems like an accident and uh, and, and it's and he slowly sort of falls uh, for her despite being married and she um, uh, and he he spies on her for the longest time as part of the case of course and it then becomes an obsession on his part but not in the most literal sense of an obsession it doesn't look dangerous at any point it almost looks tender and i think that is the beauty of this film which we will be discussing soon uh, and you know it's about you know him uh, investigating her and what happens when they reach a point where you know she isn't who basically he thinks she is or she hopes she is and the second part uh, then the second half of the film basically takes place at at ipo which is where his wife works at a nuclear power plant where their paths cross again and uh, so it's more or less a love story but you know it's a very unlike park chan wook sort of love story there's no uh, there's no sort of literal eroticism there's no physicality in that sense there's barely like a kiss in the film there's Uh, there's a lot of sexual tension there's a lot of romantic tension and i think uh, I, i think one of the you know uh, one of the many great things about the film is the way it shot and the transitions which we'll come to uh, our experience of watching it in the big hall which uday might you know have a good time uh, sort of uh, really um, uh, you know discussing that because we found it very very nice and very amusing that uh, the way we watched it in the big hall and the kind of gasps it elicited in the hall especially <laughs> the transitions which you wrote about in your uh, wrap up of the kerala festival as well yeah it's uh, there's uh, there's a transition right at the start of the film uh, which um, is just before um, just before the uh, title lands up on the screen there are these sort of blinking lights and then the title comes and then those blinking lights become flashlights which are seen through trees and then we realize that it's a search party hmm. and is just is just so smoothly done that uh, there's like an audible gasp in the hall 
and uh, <laughs> it was just so much fun because <laughs> a i mean that's the that's the kind of stuff that lonely happen at a film festival like you you do not get people gasping at scene transitions uh, somewhere else uh, and that was uh, that was so much fun and there like so many of them through the film it's just unbelievable i mean he's he's just he's become such a a, a smooth slinky kind of uh, teasing filmmaker yeah and he was always a stylish filmmaker but now he just has this uh, beautiful economy that doesn't even require him to kind of hammer in 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 stuff it just uh, he, he just does it through suggestions and like little gestures it's just it's just such a perfectly uh, a stylized uh, uh, film and he's you, he's kind of been building up to this uh anyways uh handmaiden which was a much more explicit film uh, mm-hmm. uh but um, it has that same kind of uh, witty uh, erotic kind of uh, uh flow to it and i i really liked uh, the series that he did called the little drama girl i don't know have you have you seen the the one with florence pugh no i haven't watched it Oh, it's wonderful. You got to watch that also. It's uh, and that's where I I really I mean after I mean Stoker obviously before uh, uh, before Handmaiden was very Hitchcockian, but uh, Little Drama Girl I felt was was really where I I felt that you know he's he's entering like a Hitchcock zone all of his own, and it's just. Uh, it's it's just beautiful to watch and that really comes to fruition i think in decision to leave which is uh, it's 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 quite quite amazing and uh, it's also you he's very much the same park chan wook uh, but it's also a different phase of his career now i i had um, i had the fortune of watching thirst on the big screen Mm-hmm. um a little uh, maybe a couple of months before i i watched this at the kerala film festival and that is also a, a sort of twisted romance just like decision to leave is but the effects in that are the you know the intention to shock is mm-hmm. is uh, it's it's very prominent like you can see mm-hmm. that he wants to jolt the audience and the audience had a tough time because this mm-hmm. was just a regular crowded pvr who you know i don't know what they were expecting but they were not expecting that and they it, it was there were quite a few walkouts and stuff and it is a beautiful film in its own way but it's tough like even i was wincing through it and i know like you know what park chan wook will throw at you uh and then to see decision to leave again uh like on the big screen is to just you know marvel at at where he's taken his style and 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 just the finesse to which he's sort of you know honed it uh now so yeah i i don't know if i've i've left any adjectives things to say <laughs> yeah no but uh, that that's right you know that slyness in his stylization uh with so many other directors it might have also come across as arrogant but you can sense that he's almost having fun with an audience who he expects to have followed his career to a certain point because he has as you said built up to this film to a decision to leave and if you know if we watch enough of park chan wook over the years uh you can almost touch the way he's changing also as a person as an artist as a filmmaker uh 
through his films and that's what he talked about right now that you mentioned thirst that's what he talked about in recent interviews as well about decision to leave saying that that explicit sort of tone that he often uses that whole jolty thing that he uses in most of his films um the gore and the sex and the blood um uh, that was distracting from the love stories that he actually wanted to tell all his life and that he is a romantic deep inside and that he wanted uh, that to be at the forefront finally because viewers tend to sort of then label him as a stylish filmmaker as as this twisted filmmaker who maybe has more style than substance and has more sort of uh, body than heart and um, and i guess he had had enough of that and then the so much of what we see in decision to leave has been informed by that uh, by that very conscious decision of his own you know to 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 sort of uh, to sort of leave that sort of tone behind that style behind to leave the the visual and the physicality behind and to just trust the audience to get that he's actually making a love story um, that's twisted in a way that it's not and and that that that's sort of implying so much without really showing us uh, that because you know this entire sort of affair quote and quote uh, between a detective who's married and between his lead suspect uh, comes across as you know in in so many stories and so many movies over the years this particular genre we've seen it it comes across as erotic and torrid and and violent and uh, passionate in so many ways that are detectable and here he takes away the very language of affection of love of of sort of desire there is not i love you said even once which forms the core of the film uh, the the term hasn't been mentioned and he basically changes the language of filmmaking by not really by making a love story where 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 two characters really don't have it in them to express very explicitly just like he doesn't have in have it in him anymore to ex- express very explicitly a love story uh, and the fact that so many emotions are conveyed without really saying it out and the fact that this this detective uh, uh, love story with with the, with his lead suspect uh includes everything but the actual gestures of uh, love and the various gestures that he finds through technology through through sort of uh visual transitions through those reflection shots which we might talk about with with um, just the mundanity of these two who look more like companions than than people who are having this affair um uh, who who look like soulmates more than people who've been uh, who've sort of come across each other and need, can't get their hands off each other i i found that to be such a path breaking depiction of what we usually uh, against what we usually see in this genre it's uh, i i i'd asked him uh, because this is a i i spoke to him briefly uh, through a, through an interpreter which was like one of my highlights of last year even though i wish it was a slightly longer conversation uh, but um, i i'd asked him whether uh, why he had uh, sort of why it was an original screenplay instead of an adaptation like his last few films and also it has this kind of quality of of uh, of a sort of pulp noir but uh, i i thought it was like it had a literary quality to it like the original books on which like so many of these films were made and he said that you know he that he's actually influenced very much by the by those books and uh, 
he was also very conscious of the way the genre is is uh, the noir genre is done in film and he said that in the second half i wanted to go beyond the conventions of of film noir and make a whole different type of film those were his words mm-hmm. and um, it really it really happens because as as uh, as beautiful as the first part is in, in the second uh, half is where the film sort of it starts like your mind starts expanding with the you know with the possibilities of what he's doing out there which is quite exceptional uh, uh should we spoil a bit of of what happens yeah yeah uh, okay so uh, around halfway through the film uh hajun who's the detective um realizes that uh, Siore is uh, actually responsible for her husband's death and he finds that out in very dramatic fashion as sort of these timelines uh, uh, coincide uh, on on the on a mountain peak which is an absolutely amazing sequence and um, and that's where you know a film like this could have ended that could be the whole film uh literally like a detective uh, got onto a case he fell for the suspect suspect also loved him and uh, in the end he realizes you know that she was responsible like something like presumed innocent uh or you know uh, other films like that and uh, it, and but this is where the film kind of takes off because then Hajun moves to another city with his wife and he's uh, trying to forget her and uh siore turns up out there and there is another murder of her uh, new husband and um, uh, again she is uh, a suspect and uh, what we find out is that uh, you know without giving away uh, the ending that she's it's a lot of it is is kind of gestures on her part to get back into his life because she is as fascinated by him as he is by her and uh, it's just it's it's such a deeply romantic uh, romantic gesture uh, in such a twisted way and the film sort of uh, takes on that kind of uh, elegiac quality uh, even before it gets to like the final sequences which are just these sort of very beautiful wistful uh kind of uh, farewells yeah i mean i i just found it hopelessly romantic that second part that you talk about where the film really takes off it's um, you know i i'm hard pressed to even think of a you know a more intense but a more tender sort of twisted love story at the same time in, in in a long long time because as you said you know most of what she does in the second half most of what he finds out in the second half is are basically gestures on her part without really saying out the words aloud and without knowing that their relationship in a way is forbidden knowing that they might never end up together but really making these very weird gestures that might have been erotic twisted in most of park chan wook's earlier films uh, come across as so um, you know so hopeful and tender and beautiful here and and uh, something as uh, something as uh twisted or nice as as sort of draining the pool of uh you know that bloody water because he can't stand the sight of blood which which he finds out in the first half and yeah. when there's a dead body in the pool in the second half 
she makes sure to drain the pool of all the blood so that when he comes which he will uh, he he isn't sort of uh, repelled by it and 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 even that that you know the the way he uses technology those voice notes throughout the film which which might have been voiceovers in more ordinary films i just are lovely the way you use text the way i wish i really wish we you know we could speak korean or chinese or any of those languages um you know because there's so much in this film is about those about interpretation about because they speak different languages they are from different countries they use text to communicate uh, her korean is sort of derived from the period drama she watches apparently uh, and he wonders why her korean is so formal um, and and then he you know his chinese food for her is not really chinese so there's a lot of things little gestures little languages going on within the film which i which made really made me wish that we could understand without subtitles because and and it has to be said that the subtitles at least the official ones that we eventually saw at the festival and and even on they do a as good a job as possible to get across all of this uh, without alienating us from either of the two cultures that you know that are at odds with each other in the film uh, and and it's beautifully done because it it it, it really adds to our sort of perspective our our understanding of how these two are sort of intertwined together uh, despite really not speaking the same language despite not belonging to the same existence in a way and that second half really you know does things to me does things to the audience that that very few films do there is um, there's a wonderful scene early on where he's spying on her yeah. and um, it's uh, suddenly he's in her apartment and uh, if you're watching it for the first time uh, it's sort of you're like what happened suddenly and then you realize he's imagining himself in there and he's holding out like uh, an ashtray for her unashed cigarette and uh, it's it's uh, these sort of intimacies these like and these little leaps that uh, park chanwook does in his filmmaking are uh, are just so uh, first of all they're like really clever like sometimes it just it takes a beat before you realize what he's doing later on in the film she's listening to recordings of of him talking about spying on her yeah and she's smiling with that and she's she's talking back to him speaking in 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 her in her ear and uh, it's just so intimate and it's so beautiful and uh, it's like we'd said in inishreen that it's like uh, a, a very very simple story this is a superbly complicated story yeah uh, it's very complicated it took me uh, i mean i understood the broad thing in the first go and the subtitles weren't great when i saw it like uh, on, on my laptop uh but uh, it was only when i saw it for the second time that i figured out everything that was going on and uh, it's 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 a truly beautiful screenplay in in the uh the layers and the sort of elegant uh, way that it all comes together uh is 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 quite something um uh, a, a little bit about uh, tangway's performance uh, raul because uh, i i think for me that was my performance of last year i don't think i've seen a better performance than that and we saw some great ones at kerala uh, yeah. vicky crepes in in corsage and uh, a couple of others but uh, i think that is again 
kind of exceptional uh, and uh, it has a very tangway quality if you've seen last caution and long day's journey into night she has this way of playing these sort of uh, mystery women but this was again something else she's not the normal femme fatale she's not someone like she's not just a seducer uh, she, she's as uh gangho for haijun as as uh, as he is for her and it's it's just it it has this quality to it which is completely haunting it's mesmerizing really because it's such an ambiguous performance and it's very difficult to give play ambiguous characters and then you know keep your performance as rooted as she does as you said you know it's everything and nothing it doesn't fit into any label of sort she's not really a femme fatale not a seducer not a manipulative uh, woman uh, you know not a criminal either and everything at the same time as well and the fact that as you said that word elegant the the way that he makes the film really presents her as such a pure um almost a pure hearted character um really stuck in an impure life of sorts and almost a tragedy wanting to be you know more of a drama and it, it's just it's as you said it's one of the best performances i've seen last year and and that's saying a lot and and it just it's hypnotic because the i mean we watched it twice and the second time of course i got a lot of little things that i may have missed out on the Uh, at first view and these kind of films demand that sort of attention as well but her performance really um, really changed my sort of reading viewing perspective of the film even the second time and it kept doing that every 10 minutes or so and it's not like she's being a certain way or she's trying to be a certain way as a performer it's just very natural and you know if you've seen her previous performances uh it, this almost feels like a culmination in the way of all of that and uh, uh, and you know playing a mysterious character can come across as gimmicky as may have so many things in this film uh, the use of transitions technology all of that and it's just her performance that really um, you know really defines what decision to leave really uh, wants how complex how complex it is how complicated it is but at the core of it how really simple it is about uh, about you know two people being unable to really uh, be together express themselves to each other but doing everything in their power to to make each other know that uh, you know this is how they feel to make each other know that they might have been companions in another life together and her performance really is the nucleus of the film which says a lot because even parkel is is a fantastic sort of haunted cop in this and there are many ways to play a haunted cop most of which we've seen in hollywood you know this very world very sort of insomniac we've seen so many times you know not least with al pacino and all these guys but uh, but there's there's so much language and so much soul to the way even he plays uh, 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 this character who's really transgressing in a way but who's also reaching his destination that he was meant to reach uh, maybe you know years ago and it's 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 just really that kind of film that hits you in waves as it does you know whenever you think about it and and i found it and there's so many things that could have gone wrong but all of it just comes together and makes sense there is a there's that masterful scene at the buddha temple oh, yeah. which is uh, almost the midpoint of the film is just before the film sort of turns and and things are revealed to uh, to hajun and um, 
it's spectacular a before because it just looks like a, a nice romantic outing and they're alone and they can be like a little free with each other and uh, but even then it's nothing uh, you know it's it's quite chaste it, she just she just goes through his pockets and uh, uh, you know pulls out stuff and she has like she finds a chapstick she applies that uh, he rubs lotion onto her hands and they listen to a recording from when he's spying on her with like one year pod uh, each and uh, it, what i found amazing was that it's just such a lovely sequence and uh, you know you get a sense of what they might be if they were allowed to be just like a normal couple uh, and uh, but it's also has so much uh, 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 plot information for later on uh, stuff that gets used and yeah. it's all packed in there and you don't see any of it because none of it is exposition mm. all of it is sort of uh, just these little things that these characters are doing and it's all used later so cleverly and that little like 4 5 minute sequence has so much implication for what comes later in the film yeah you're right because it looks like such a conventional sequence right almost a dream sequence uh, such a romantic sort of outing to a temple where both of them like this they almost brush against each other the first time in a long time and and he's at peace because he thinks that you know she's not a suspect anymore so he thinks that maybe the relationship might become official at some point because they're not sort of professionally uh, at odds anymore and and it's just there's so many as you said these little things visual things that uh, and i love this film's lack of exposition you know not really flashing back to anything and trusting the viewer to sort of make the connection between a very fleeting shot we saw saw during this maybe you know tying of shoelaces or sort of like just the umbrella uh, being held over him you know while covering him and them almost kissing and them talking about the way she even puts her hand into her pockets like she's done it so many times before uh, yeah. and that that little quirk of his where he has multiple pockets on his coat uh, it's just yeah it's one of those things where you just as a viewer uh, you feel like you're such an integral part of the experience of the viewing experience and as a, of the film itself because when it's so rewarding when you make these connections later on and it's so rewarding that you don't need to be looked down on or explained certain things that oh remember when we did this at the buddhist temple uh, it just it unfolds in a way that doesn't really want to be seen but at the same time expects to be seen by the viewer and i thought there were so many scenes in the first half so many moments in the first half like that and i think one of the my favorite moments in the film was uh, in one of the first interrogation sequences not not the framing so much but just the um, just the way he orders food from that fancy sushi place and, <laughs> and you know of course the his partner gets pissed off which is a nice little moment in the room because he's told him not to order expensive food when they're on the job and he does the same for her uh, who's an official suspect and they just go about it like a long time married couple you know the way they sort of eat at that at the table in the interrogation room while others are watching them on the camera very yeah. quietly they sort of set the table in a very conventional korean manner and then take it off very like uh, and sort of undo all of that after eating and you know it's almost like they've done it a million times before and they are finally doing it again and i i thought these little little things that the viewer is allowed to take away really really adds to to our sort of reading of this sort of anti love story almost
the way they wrap up the meal is 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 fantastic because that is something that only a couple would do right like yeah. the you know how how you finish off like after you're putting it back like in the box they they have like they they almost do it in sync but yeah. it's like almost the first time that they've met it's incredible that that little gesture is also I, I i like how they you know save each other's feelings like even though they're from different cultures and they're making like cultural gaffes but they uh, so her her pronunciation of some korean words is obviously stiff because she's learning it off tv but uh, he uh, he he doesn't make a, a big deal out of it and sometimes he teases her a little bit but then he also says uh later on that he he likes how she says things formally and um it's um uh, it's it's also she uh, you know when he makes uh, chinese food for her uh, it's obviously not what she's used to so she says that i've never seen chinese food like this but she says but the taste is good and and she sort of uh, she sees his face fall so she quickly like takes it from him and says that but i i like the taste and you know and then she eats it and they're just uh, it's they're just so full of concern for each other and it's a very um, it's an unusual sort of detective obsessive detective uh, mysterious um uh, victim uh, suspect uh, story uh, and um, i don't know it's it's uh, i i think it's uh, very much worth sort of a uh, watching and then b kind of reading about a bit there's been some very uh, nice writing on it uh, and there've been some very nice interviews uh, with some of the makers and of course with uh, with park who's who's had uh, who's really uh, been able to uh, uh, to to talk about the this film and all a lot of his other films uh through the attention that this one is getting and uh, obviously uh, very much uh, overdue this kind of attention for him for someone who kind of shaped a lot of the viewing habits of people of of our generation uh, yeah. i guess i mean he is the og in a way right like i mean he is yeah. the reason i think a lot of us got invested in south korean cinema for the longest time then came you know the the rewards for them over the last 5 or 6 years that we've been yeah, seeing exactly. the stage but he really is the founder of all that and it'll be it'll be a nice little circle to see him really you know go for glory at the uh, oscars and although it doesn't mean much because we know what this film me- film means in terms of his legacy in terms of his filmography and i love sort of veteran filmmakers like him scorsese or spielberg you know like really challenging themselves getting personal in a very strange way at such a later stage in life in the late 60s and the 70s or whatever age they are and still managing to be so vulnerable and so human and and i feel like this is easily his most vulnerable film as well because it it really reflects what he feels as a filmmaker as an artist right now and the sort of maybe the sort of aging process he's going through himself and you tend to you i love that filmmakers like him no matter how great they are how you know how legendary they are they sort of give us a peek into their into their soul through their work even at this stage in life and yeah and that's a good point because uh, making you know, sort of both for banshees and for this film i feel like to get the whole experience given that both these films have been out for a while now on streaming platforms 
and in general um, I, i think it would be a great idea to watch these films then read about them then watch as many interviews as you can and just let everything add to your sort of experience of the film because that's the luxury we get in the ott era and that's not a luxury we used to get because we don't have to travel to film festivals to see the best films so now that we do have that i think uh, it's very much true that all the material that i've consumed about these to all the lovely writing that i've consumed and good films do get out the best writing from all over the world so all of that that i've consumed in the last couple of weeks in the last month have really added to my to my love for both these films and especially decision to leave because banshees is a little more fresh in that sense and i'm still going through a lot of it but uh, decision to leave has really stayed it's really one of my top 3 films of last year and as you said one of my uh one of the best performances of last year as well so yeah we'd really recommend uh, for everyone to you know feel the force of the whole experience and consume all the literature all the videos you can find about these great filmmakers great actors them talking about films they've made and managing to be eloquent about it it's it's very rare and managing to be expressive about what they made because normally filmmakers tend to be aloof uh you know james cameron who is the most notorious of them um and i feel like this is a nice little um, sort of antidote to that and it's a, it's a great way to psychologically end 2022 and you know sort of really signal your your sort of preparation for 2023 as a movie year so so yeah i mean is there anything else so that you'd like to add uh no not much it's uh, raining uh, films right now not in the theaters but um, but yeah. on streaming i'm uh, i haven't seen the menu yet and uh, i'm yet to see pinocchio which i think you've written about yeah uh, so yeah, i'm very much uh, keen to see those i started watching this uh, christian bale thing called the yeah. the pale blue eye and uh, uh, i'm not done with it yet but uh, i would recommend it uh simply for harry melling as edgar allan poe yeah. and uh, if you liked him in uh, in the queen's gambit uh, yeah. then i think you'll really enjoy him out here it's uh, <laughs> it's a very extravagant performance it's a lot of fun so uh, I, i i'm enjoying that but uh, i'm getting a little worried now about fablemans and uh, babylon not releasing in the halls mm. uh, i'm hoping that it's one of those things in india where they like wait till the week before the oscars before putting like these uh, front runners in theaters yeah i have a feeling that's going to happen i think it's going to be one of those cases week before oscars or oscar week itself and given that it's oscar season we have a lot to catch up on and it'll always be nice to catch up on the front runners just before the oscars as well so all these films that you mentioned pinocchio and even after sun is just dropped on mubi which is also one of the uh, hot favorites going into award season um, we might talk about it later this month and uh, and yeah and uh, the christian bale film that you mentioned i'm very much on my menu as and even menu is on my menu this weekend so uh, so yeah it's nice to catch up on a lot of great stuff we didn't manage to catch last year um, even at the film festival so yeah so that was uh, uh, that was it for i think decision to leave and banshees of inshirin uh, if 
I mean, it was a fun discussion, and I'm glad we talked about this because we've been watching these films without really having an outlet except our own articles and pieces that we write, and it's always nice to get into a conversation about the uh, with the different angles and perspectives of these very very good films. So, so yeah, that's it for this podcast. Um, given that Oscar season is here, we'll be back a couple of times at least during the next month. and uh, uh, the next month month and a half uh, uday i understand you are going to be covering sundance as well this year so we'll we might have a lot to talk about uh, at least as far as records are concerned because it would be unfair to really talk about films that nobody is going to watch for the rest of the year so that's always very anticipated in that sense and i'm very much looking forward to the very good documentaries over the coming months uh, so yeah we'll be talking about a lot over the coming months and of course there'll be the usual hindi titles the big hindi titles that we usually do every other week so so stay tuned and 2023 looks promising already uh, and and uh, hopefully this continues uh, thanks for listening do write into us if you have any suggestions and uh, see you next time